Welcome to Mind Your Mind, a podcast presented by Dakota Family Services, an outpatient behavioral health clinic located in Minot, Bismarck, and Fargo, North Dakota. In this podcast, I will talk with our experts about understanding and nurturing our mental health and wellness. I'm your host, Tim Munson. Join me each episode as we explore the intricacies of our minds, decrease the stigma of mental illness, learn practical tips for managing our mental health and well-being, and recognize when it's time to ask for help. Join me now to Mind Your Mind. Welcome to this episode of Mind Your Mind. I'll be talking with Lucas Mitzel about grief. Lucas is a therapist on the Fargo campus and provides outpatient therapy for children, adolescents, and young adults. Lucas, before we get into the topic today, please tell us why you do what you do. So I think, you know, the, the biggest reason I do what I do, and there's, there, I could talk about this probably for a good couple of hours, but my, my goal is to help people become the best versions of themselves that they can be. And whatever that means for each individual person, each kid, each adult that I see, my goal is to make them feel like they are better when they leave my office and that they just they feel like they can be their best selves great answer easy answer i knew you'd have a good one for that one so now let's talk about grief what are the stages of grief and what do they look like there are five stages of grief and i'll just go in order and then i'll kind of explain what each one each one means and so the first one would be denial and then we go into bargaining anger depression and acceptance. Now, each one is very similar, but looks very different at the same time. And so denial would look, and I'll give you a real example of something that's happened. And so with denial, uh, with a kid who's maybe moving away, um, he, he was saying things like, you know, I'm not moving. This is not happening. There's no way I'm moving away from my friends. And then bargaining, saying things like, well, I promise I'll be good. I promise I'll go to church every week, things like this to try and get his, his way and stay so he doesn't have to move away. Then that led into anger saying, I can't believe that this is happening. I can't believe you're doing this to me. This is not fair. And then depression looked like, um, you know, I, I'm going to miss my friends a lot. This is going to be really, really hard. Finally, acceptance for him looked more like, well, now I, I guess I'm ready. I'm going to make new friends. And grief is weird in that it's not just a singular, there's no straight line through grief. And so you can go like denial, bargaining, anger, bargaining, depression, bargaining, depression, anger, depression, anger, and then acceptance. And so you can go back and forth throughout that process over and over again until you reach acceptance. And that's kind of where where acceptance is where all of the healing really starts to begin when you're talking about grief. And there are times too when um, denial is is really difficult to get out of for kids so much so that, and adults, but so much so that they're almost denying that something even happened. Um, and that that can be really challenging for some people. But like I said, it, it looks very different for every single person. So when does, you're talking about grief, talking about all the, the stages of grief. So when does someone need to seek help regarding grief? I'm going to give kind of a, a lame answer and then I'm going to get a little more specific. The it depends is is really the the biggest answer. Um, it, it depends on a lot of different issues and that can be depending on age, depending on what your past experiences are, who the person was, if you're grieving a person, what the loss was. And so grief is associated with a lot of confusing thoughts and and feelings. And it can be very beneficial to have a professional kind of unravel that. And I've, I've seen really cool pictures of what therapy is, is like. And it's a picture of 
two thought bubbles, um, and one has a tangled mess of yarn, and then the therapist is taking the yarn and wrapping it back up and kind of making sense of all the thoughts. And that's kind of what we do in in our office is we take your thoughts and we take your feelings and we try and look at them and kind of make sense of those together. It, it can be, for kids specifically, um, it can be really difficult to know when it, when do I need to seek help to assist with my child? Because, you know, as parents care about your kids, you're worried that this might be a really difficult time. Um, and there, there's some key things that you can look out for to make sure that every that they're going through this appropriately. And, and a big sign is any sort of behaviors that could come from that. So any acting out, uh, maybe there's uh, all of a sudden they're having a lack of hygiene, or maybe they're starting to isolate more. Maybe they're getting really, really irritable and crabby. Maybe they can't sleep. All of these could be warning signs that maybe this is a little bit bigger than just grief, or maybe they're struggling with this grief process. But a big thing to keep in mind is that it needs to be impacting daily life. So when something happens and you're going through grief, you're gonna, like things are gonna change. And it's gonna be really difficult at times depending on what that is. And so you need to just be careful because you know if, if they go a weekend and they just don't wanna shower, but they lost maybe their grandpa on Friday, you know, that that might make sense. It's if this is starting to impact maybe everyday life and getting really difficult to manage, then you might want to start looking at, at coming in. You would also want to look at developmental age too. A, a five-year-old is probably going to respond to this a lot differently than a 15-year-old, depending on what's going on. And so if you have your child is really struggling with um, like crying and having outbursts and they're five, that would probably make a lot of sense. Now, if they're 15 and they're crying and having a lot of physical outbursts, there's maybe something else going on too. And so you just need to make sure that um, you're taking that into account for yourself. You know, when do you, when do I seek help for me? A good indicator could be, you know, people who have been in the similar boat uh, who are, who are maybe grieving the same thing. Are they moving on? Are, are they getting better? And maybe you're not. And, you know, has it has it been a couple of months and it seems like everybody's moved on with their life and and is kind of, quote unquote, over it. And you are still stuck back in, you know, August when this occurred and it's December. That could be a sign that maybe this is changing a bit. And another good tool you can use is if you've gone through things like this in the past, if you've lost someone or something, how did you handle it back then? Is this a lot tougher? Were you able to, was this where you were at before? Um, because you know yourself and you're going to be able to tell that something something's different this time. And so those are just some uh, tips to try and figure out if maybe, maybe some help would be necessary. So I'm hearing you talk about grief and in the back of my mind, I'm feeling and thinking depression. So what's the difference between grief and depression? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really great question. And because a lot of symptoms of grief really mimic depression. The biggest thing that we look at is what are your thoughts? And your thoughts kind of dictate what's kind of going on along with a timeline too, like we were talking about. And so, for example, grief has a lot of uh, feelings of emptiness and loss, whereas depression might have, will, will have the persistent like depressed mood or like you're not able to feel happiness or pleasure anymore. You, with grief, you might have intense sadness, but that should typically decrease over time and probably will come in waves. Whereas, like I said, depression is more constant. And you're not typically thinking of 
the love the loved one you lost it's it's more of a thoughts towards yourself and like feelings of worthlessness and self-loathing and if there are feelings when you're grieving and you have these negative feelings towards yourself typically it's within the context of that individual or of that thing so for example when it, it could be like i didn't spend enough time with my dad and i'm i feel really guilty about that that's probably grief and not necessarily depression. With grief, your self-esteem would be preserved, whereas with a d- depression, your self-esteem will tank. And you might have, with grief, you could still have thoughts of death. Um, that's a really big thing for depression. Um, however, it's more about like maybe wanting to join the deceased. It's more focused on the lost person that you have, whereas wanting to die when it comes to depression comes from that feeling of worthlessness and like you are a burden on everybody else and that things would just be better off if you were gone. And so if you find that you're you're feeling those things and you and I'm you know speaking and you're you're like hearing yourself in that, that might be a really good sign or indicator that you should probably seek some help um, and try and get some of that that stuff worked out because that's that's when we've crossed into the threshold of like, this is not normal anymore. And this is probably not healthy. Those are some of the, some of the big signs, but thoughts are the biggest piece of that. What are you thinking of? What are you focused on when it comes to your sadness? But they do feel very similar. And it's probably good as well as uh, we're observing people around us that we feel maybe in grief or depression, maybe looking for, you know, maybe some of the easy signs to as indicators. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you have loved ones that are are grieving and you you are noticing you know if they're if they're isolating more if they're not getting out of bed if they're not cleaning themselves if they're giving things away or if there there's a lot of negative self-talk um, all of these could be indicators that there's something bigger than grief and it, it could be very much triggered by whatever they're grieving which doesn't need to I know I focused a lot on uh, grieving the loss of individuals but like that first example I gave where that child was grieving um, the loss of friends because of moving it could happen I mean with with COVID, we, we saw a whole bunch of people grieving the loss of their jobs and grieving the loss of even just their routine, kids not being able to go to school. You know, I, I meet with older individuals who are grieving the loss of a life they thought they would get because of whatever circumstances happened. And you see all of the stages of, of grief in that. And it's and so you, you can experience the stages of grief without losing a person. I think we get, we get kind of stuck in that mindset where it's like, well, I, I, I'm really sad, but I didn't like nobody died. We can still go through all of these things. When people come into inpatient treatment, you see kids going through the stages of grief. Like the first day they're in denial. The next couple of days they're bargaining with their parents. And then all of a sudden they get really mad and maybe even depressed. And finally they're accepting and now they're working. And, you know, that, but even that in that context, it, it ranges in time frames. And so it's, it's just, it, this is a really good model to be aware of when looking at things. Lucas Mitzel is with us right now. We're talking about grief. Lucas is a therapist on the Fargo campus of Dakota Family Services, providing outpatient therapy for children, adolescents, and young adults. So we're talking about grief. What is the best way for someone to grieve? So again, I'm going to use kind of a lame response at first, and then I'm going to get in more detail, but it depends. Um, and so it, it's really based on you and and how you do things. And I, I can never sit and say that you are doing, you are grieving necessarily incorrectly as long as you are grieving. 
as long as you are allowing those feelings to come out in a way that is helpful for you and it makes you feel better um, and is not destructive, then you are likely grieving appropriately. What most people do uh, struggle with is is allowing those feelings to come out because grieving is doesn't feel good. It, it, it's a painful experience. I mean, you're looking at, if you look at those stages, denial, bargaining, anger, depression, and acceptance, four out of five of them have negative connotations. And so it doesn't feel good to do this. The thing about grief though, like I said, grief is kind of weird. If you, it's one of the emotions or one of the uh, life cycles that if you don't allow it to happen the way it wants to in the way that it should, it's going to come out sideways. And so you see this with people who <laughs> don't allow it to go through and, and all the all of a sudden they're feeling really depressed and then anxiety starts coming up and they it's now it's starting to kind of uh, mold or take its own form. Um, kids also struggle with this a lot, especially the boys I see because they got to be tough, you know, and it's it's really good to encourage our loved ones to allow that to be let out. And so when you're feeling things, allow it allow yourself to feel it. You're it's not a bad thing to feel sadness or want to cry. There are appropriate times to push it down. I get that. I would do the same thing. However, when you are in an appropriate space to to let it out, you need to let it out. That's the only way it gets out, and that's the only way that healing can really start to happen. There's an analogy that I like to use, especially with kids, just because it seems to resonate with them. It's kind of like grief is like holding on to a sponge that gets really wet. And I don't really want to get wet. And so, because it doesn't feel right on my hands. And so I, instead of allowing the water to escape naturally, I put it into a cardboard box. Well, what happens when you put a wet sponge in a cardboard box? It starts to get the box all wet. And now not only do I have a wet sponge, but I have a wet box and I got to get rid of the box now. So it's coming out sideways the way and it's making a little bit more of a mess than I intended. So then some people at that point, they take it out of the box and they start to wring it out and they deal with it. Other people go a step further and they maybe grab some Tupperware and they put it in that and it's not going to leak out of there. So they, they seal it up and they put it away. Well, then something happens and they start noticing something. Maybe something starts to smell. So they maybe open up the cabinet or whatever that it had it in and it's all moldy and disgusting. And it just, it looks weird and it's just gross. So now the only way to get clean it is we got to open it up, which is even worse now. And we got to kind of scrub all that mold off and that can take some time. And you would do that with a therapist essentially but if we don't the whole point of that analogy is if we don't wring it out right away and just get a little wet it's going to be a little bit more difficult to clean up in the in the future um, but regardless we have to clean out the sponge <laughs> so it's uh it's important to uh, encourage that with loved ones and especially with kids you know i think that the most powerful thing that a parent can do because um, parents want to be strong for their kids. They want to show them that, you know, that everything's in control and that they're, everything's going to be okay. But the most powerful thing a parent can do is to cry in front of their children and show them and role model for them that grieving is okay and grieving is healthy and it's encouraged. And that will then allow them to do the same thing. The, those who, a lot of times people who don't do that, they might start to think that, um, you know, you have to hold it all in. You can't, you can't let it out. Um, and that, again, leads to the moldy sponge, which we don't want. It's been a great conversation, Lucas. You've shared amazing information with us. And I love the fact that podcasts, we're able to hit pause 
we're able to rewind, we hit play. We can go back over the information you've shared with us and just listen to it, apply it, use it, share it, and really learn from it. So I really appreciate the podcast. Now, before we go, I ask everyone the same question as we wrap up our podcast. And the question is simply this. You've shared with us, you talk with uh, children, adolescents, young adults, you get a lot of information in. So in getting all that, what do you do personally to mind your mind? Yeah, great, great question. I, I love to play guitar. Um, I love music. Um, that's a really big passion of mine. I'm also quite nerdy. Um, for anybody who's been in my office, I have Star Wars stuff put up all over. And so I also like to play um, video games every now and again. Um, and I love playing board games with family and friends. And so those are some of the, the ways that I take care of my stress and I, I mind my mind. Lucas, thank you for being on Mind Your Mind. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for sharing your time and your talent with us. Thank you for joining us for Mind Your Mind, a podcast presented by Dakota Family Services. You can't have health without behavioral health. Remember to mind your mind. For more information, links to additional resources, contact information, and much more, go to dakotafamilyservices.org.